just a couple days away from the NBA draft and still so much to talk about regarding the Charlotte Hornets. Who's going to be their next head coach? And what is their personnel going to look like with a bunch of different players out there on the trade market? We'll talk about all of that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, by the way. You can also check us out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH, the show handle on Twitter, at Locked On Hornets as well. Doug, I feel like every time I refresh my feed on Twitter, there is something else someone is tweeting that has this excerpt about the Hornets or this soundbite about the Hornets. Hey, remember this from four months ago? This is relevant to the Hornets and what they're going through right now. I can't keep up. I'm trying to keep up with all the information. We're two days away from the NBA draft. Normally, you would expect this to be a highly prospect-driven show for the next four days, but we have so much to talk about, we're not going to be talking about the prospects right now. Like It's just all over the place with this team. Yeah, I think the Hornets seem to be uh, in a lot of these rumors. And I think to me, it's an indication that the Charlotte Hornets are evaluating all options and really, I I think, honestly, might be a little confused as to uh, what (laughs) they want this roster to look like around LaMelo Ball. And I sense some confusion overall with this organization about the timeline for success. Uh, We've heard Mitch Kupchak discuss Uh, that they may have gotten out ahead of themselves last season for the expectations for playoffs and that, you know, he's on, it seems like he's unsure as to whether this team can compete next season to a level that you would want to go out and like acquire several sort of championship level run veterans and pay a lot of money and go into the tax. All of these questions surround the Charlotte Hornets, but it all comes back to one thing. When are you ready to win And I'm not sure the Hornets have a great handle on on the answer to that question right now. I I don't know exactly what that plan looks like. And there's going to be some decisions they make where you're kind of cementing yourself in one direction or the other, at least, you know, with some of these decisions they're going to make. They fired James Borrego, and now they're looking for a new head coach after Kenny Atkinson decides to go back. We actually have some more Kenny Atkinson news to get to. We'll do that in the second segment. We're going to just change the pace a little bit and go to the Kenny Atkinson news in the second segment. But speaking of pace, errs, pacers, if you will, Miles Turner, once again, is out there on the trade market. Yeah, yeah, please. Thank you. Appreciate it. So Miles Turner has been the guy that we've talked about a million different times. And we thought maybe would get a little quiet once they traded DeMontis Sabonis to the Sacramento Kings. It doesn't mean that they would never trade Miles Turner in that scenario. We just thought the talks might quiet down a little bit. Now they're ramping up once again. We talked about the Shams report yesterday, a part of the athletic, how the Hornets were the only team mentioned as a suitor, even though there's got to be other franchises, but the Hornets have long been the favorite or at least towards the top of that list. Rumors continue to heat up about just the Pacers gauging all sorts of interest to go get rid of Miles Turner. And you also had the piece from Jake Fisher yesterday. We'll get to some of the mile stuff in just a moment as well. But he said that the Hornets are gauging trade interests in Terry Rozier, PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre, and Mason Plumley. 
Couple of notes, Mason Plumley, the decision to guarantee his contract fully has to be made today. So we'll see exactly what news comes out from all of that. But him, Kelly Oubre, who also has that non-guaranteed deal, Terry Rozier, and P.J. Washington were the names that were mentioned. We've seen Gordon Hayward mentioned before. That's five guys that have had their names thrown out in trade market interest. And Miles Turner has constantly been that name. Doug, this roster could look very different and maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. There's just, it, it seems like there is a wide range of outcomes that could happen after this offseason is all said and done with. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't expect Mason Plumley to be the starting center for the Charlotte Hornets game one of the regular season, but I also don't expect them to release and eat whatever portion of that contract they have to eat, probably half of that contract. Um, I, I think center depth is an issue for them. And and I think Mason Plumley would, would be fine as a backup center. If, if you found the right piece, uh, you know, or pieces to, to accompany him. But this miles Turner stuff is interesting because as you said, it won't go away. I mean, it feels like we've been dealing with miles Turner rumors for two or three seasons now. And uh, now the Hornets are in a position with talent. It's just about how much uh, they would want to give up. I did find an interesting tweet um, that that from NBA underscore university, and I think this is part of B-Ball Index, which is a great stat site. Uh, would you be interested in a tweet showing a, a little bit of context around where Miles Turner fits alongside of all of these other sort of defensive anchor bigs, bigs that essentially are in drop coverage a lot that are defending the way you would think, or at least we thought Kenny Atkinson was going to to, to lay the defense out, or maybe mm-hmm. just a comparable head coaching candidate would lay the defense out. Would you, yeah, would you like a tweet like that? Cranjus McBasketball, right? I mean, if he's a yeah. part of it, the name alone is worthy enough of me giving you some interest. So yeah, let's bring up that. All stat. right, let's do it. So this is again, um, and I'll explain this for the podcast listeners because I'm showing it on the screen right now. By the way, if you haven't checked this out on YouTube, YouTube.com forward slash Lockdown Hornets podcast. You can uh, get a visual read. aid as well. So uh, this graph is a headshot plot. And um, if they are higher up, it means they were attacked at the rim a lot. If they're lower on this graph, it means they were avoided at the rim. Uh, there's some rim deterrence going on. If they're over to the right side of the graph, these are dudes, according to this tweet, dudes that finished better than expected <laughs> against you. And left equals dudes that finished worse than expected against you. So essentially left, they did a great job at defending the rim. Right, not so much. High means they got attacked a lot at the rim. Low means they were avoided at the rim, which is honestly what you want out of a big. You want a big. Steve Clifford talked about this a lot when they acquired Dwight Howard. You want a big that makes guards think before driving all the way to the rim. Because when guards drive all the way to the rim, it collapses your defense, allows kickout opportunities. You don't want that as a defense. It makes defending much, much harder. Um, So if we look at this headshot plot, I'm going to just describe where players are in this. First of all, the guy we're talking about right now, Miles Turner, very low, which means people avoided him at the rim. Third lowest. His defensive field goal percentage versus expected is about, I'd say, minus seven. So he's in this company with Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green of people that were avoided at the rim at all costs and did a great job when they were attacked. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, look, Miles Turner is a good defensive player, and he's actually a, a very good defensive player to where you're always going to have Rudy Gobert finish higher than him among the centers, and Miles Turner is going to be probably in that next tier of best defensive centers. Now, it's funny you bring this up. I thought you were going to bring up an offensive headshot plot because there was one that I saw from the same exact site, Cranjic Basketball, I can't even say it, Basketball Index, putting it out there putting it out where you had this kind of offensive creation and how good they were at one, creating their own offense as a center and also hitting those shots. And miles did not fare very well on that. He was towards the lower ends on both, whether you know, North, South, East, West, he was going the lower ends on both of those spectrums. My point to that is I pay much more attention to this because miles can also be a threat from three. And I'm not asking him to create any kind of offense. I don't want Miles Bridges or excuse me, Miles Turner to try to create from the three point line, take guys off of the dribble, even if he's wanted that a little bit more in Indiana. Hopefully we can get to a point where he realizes this is where you can be most effective, anchor our defense on this side of the floor, and then maybe hit some spot up threes, you know, dive, be in a dunker spot to some degree. That's what his role should be. And so even with all of the deficiencies that he might have, right, considering all of the flaws, it's why I've always thought Miles Turner made a good addition. He made the most sense of a lot of the center targets we've talked about throughout the last couple of years. If, if he can stay healthy. I mean, yeah. that's what we always have to put on this conversation for people who are new to the Miles Turner discussion. I mean, it's all about the risk of him not playing and we've just part of the reason going back to the very first thing that I said that the Hornets seem to be confused about the direction part of the reason they are confused Walker is because it seemed like they weren't confused when they acquired Gordon Hayward it seemed like okay we're going to anchor this thing around a young core Miles Bridges Gordon Hayward then they get lucky with LaMelo Ball but they get unlucky with Gordon Hayward and it's that unluckiness with Gordon Hayward's health that has gotten them into the position that they are currently in. And do you want to take that risk again with Miles Turner? So that's a big question. I want to take just before we go to the next segment, I just want to point out a couple of other things from this draft, from this um, plot. Uh, where is Mason Plumley and Montrez Harold? They're both on this graph and they are way over to the right. <laughs> so defensive field goal percentage, not great. Uh, and they were attacked sort of moderately. Um, they're kind of in the, very right side of the graph, uh, not all the way at the top. So players weren't attacking them a ton, but what, but when they did, they were successful. And then another couple of heads that I want to point out, Jared Allen, people challenged this guy way too much and they yeah. got denied a lot. <laughs> right. That That's the, that's the face that all uh, that stood out to me as well. Cause he's kind of alone in the top left portion where he is just right. as effective People kept, guys people kept challenging get, and yeah. kept getting rejected. J.J. Jackson, same thing. Kristaps Porzingis surprised me. Um, Mitchell Robinson, kind of what I expected. Great um, defensive anchor, but you know, and players attacked him a moderate amount. And a lot of this too is, you know, do you have do you have wing defenders? And we know the Knicks struggle with that defending at the wing. Do you have wing defenders that can stop players before they get to that drop coverage? Um, and the Hornets didn't have that either. And so you see, you know, that's going that's going to, you know, make it more challenging for the bigs to defend. Uh, but then another name that's popped up, Nurkic, uh, really terrible rim defensive field goal percentage. By the way, these numbers are for last season only. Um, didn't get attacked a lot, but when he did, um, was was not great. I'm looking, I think Pirtle, I think Pirtle's head is sitting in behind, I believe that's Nas Reed. 
Um, yeah. And so I, I think he would be right there with the Chris Stops, which is getting attacked a moderate amount, but doing a pretty good job at, um, at defending the rim. So again, Pirtle, I think would be a great option for the Hornets there. Yeah, so there you go. Name. There you go, Walker. Uh, yeah, There's the stats. No, the stats. I love it. Headshot plots, baby. We love it. We love some of the names that the Hornets could go after as long as the price is not too big. And I wonder if the Pacers would be one of the few teams interested in Gordon Hayward because there was rumored interest in the middle of the season before Gordon goes down for the rest of the year. Is that so? It's it's hard to gauge what Indiana truly wants. Because I know Malcolm Brogdon is also on the trade market. Are they trying to just get different pieces to compete? Are they trying to completely rebuild and just have Tyrese Halliburton be the face of that franchise? But they also have a buddy healed on that roster. TJ Warren is coming back. Are they going to trade him? Weird roster to try to figure out what Indiana wants to do because they feel like they're in that middle ground, that no man's land. And I don't know what they want, but if they want Gordon, then I'd be willing to trade that contract. And the Hornets wanted some, to be in the middle yeah. ground, and they couldn't even get in the club. The the club middle, they couldn't even get into club middle. They got rejected. They got tossed out like jazz on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air both times they tried to get into the middle. Same with the Pacers, too. Yeah, similar franchises there. All right, coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We heard from Steve Kerr, oddly enough, about the Kenny Atkinson situation during the Warriors championship parade. We're going to give you that soundbite and discuss how there might be some problems on the Charlotte Hornets end of this. After defending them yesterday, there was a clip, an excerpt from Jake Fisher. Not exactly easy to defend. So we'll get to that in just a moment. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? You need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know you will too. Part of the reason I love it is because it's easy to use. You just pick two to five players and over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. That's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe. It offers fast withdrawals, and you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans so you can sign up today and use code NBA $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. More Kenny Atkinson conversation coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Well, don't let, hold on. Don't let me end my take on that because that's not what I mean. I don't mean that he shouldn't nope, be in the NBA. No, that's what you meant, and no, it's disrespectful. I mean that. You're Anthony Tolliver. I'm Trevion Graham. That's who I love. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. A lot of confusion on the Kenny Atkinson front. Why exactly did he decide to stay in Golden State after going through the interview process? As it later would come out, he was the only coaching candidate that met with Michael Jordan after it was originally reported that Mike D'Antoni had done that as well. Instead, after winning the championship, Kenny decides, you know what? I'm staying here in the Bay, and I'm going to continue to be a part of this coaching staff now just as the top assistant after Mike Brown goes to Sacramento. So a lot of was reported about the family, right? Let's get to Steve Kerr's uh, soundbite first here, Doug. He was asked about Kenny Atkinson remaining with this coaching staff during the parade during some media access and here's what golden state's head coach had to say we're in a great place we've got great players we live in a beautiful part of the country 
Kenny's got two kids, you know, teenagers who um, really wanted to stay. And I think it's a really difficult thing to try to take a job in the middle of the finals, you know, without really getting a chance to unwind. And I think, um, you know, over the course of the finals, he he just felt it. He felt like, you know what, this is not the best uh, time for my family and me to leave. So I'm glad that, that Kenny trusted his gut and hopefully Charlotte ends up with a great coach and everybody moves forward. But we're lucky to have him back, especially losing Mike Brown next year. Um, I need Kenny and I'm thrilled he's back. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for the good wishes. Hopefully we can yeah, move on thanks, too. Steve. Appreciate Ho- it. Hoping so. Awesome. What'd you make, Doug? What are your takes on the soundbite that we just heard from Steve Kerr? Where's Kenny? That's my take. I mean, where's mm-hmm. Kenny? He's Kenny, pouring champagne something. in people's mouths. That's what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, I mean, Kenny, are you at the are you at the parade? Can we can we just get a comment from Kenny? And Kenny, can you can you just say anything? Can you say something? Can you? I mean, that's that's my take. I mean, I, I just I don't want to hear from Steve Kerr. Okay, I honestly like congrats, Steve, on the championship, but I don't care what Steve Kerr has to say <laughs> about this particular subject. I only care uh, what Kenny Atkinson has to say. Yeah, Steve Kerr mentioning the family thing too. How he had two teenage boys that wanted to stay. He has a couple of them. Yeah, they're a little grown now, but he does have a couple of them. They wanted to stay in Northern California because it's a beautiful part of the country. And I guess they didn't want to move. And so that's one of the reasons why, apparently. Now, we did get this from Jake Fisher, a part of Bleacher Report as well. He said that Kenny Atkinson and the Hornets were unable to come to an agreement on assistant coach salaries. And the Hornets have been intent on keeping a large portion of the assistants on staff who have one full year left of guaranteed salary. Jake would also mention that the Hornets are widely known throughout the league as paying the assistant coaches in the bottom five group of the association. Nothing becoming of that franchise at all. If you believe any of this, I have no reason to not believe it. Look, so if Kenny Atkinson throughout the agreement, you have that agreement on Friday that he's going to be the head coach. And then eight days later, that Saturday, this past one, it's reported from Woj that he decides to back out of it. If you are trying to have some negotiations while you're trying to win a title on the assistant coach salaries and you can't come to an agreement, then part of that is on the Hornets. Part of it's on Kenny. Part of it is the fact that you guys didn't address this before actually coming to this decision, especially if this matters to Charlotte, Doug. Like, this does seem a little silly to get hung up on. If you wanted to move on from James Borrego, then why are you having such a hard time moving on from the staff? And I love Jay, uh, Jay Hernandez. I mean, we've seen Jay Hernandez have a real impact on this coaching staff before. You know, a couple of the other names, I know less about their impact. Um, Ronald Norred was good. I know Jay Triano was well-respected. He was the head guy when James Borrego would be out or if he would get ejected the few times that happened. But Jay Triano's already gone. Now he's with the Sacramento Kings, I believe, and coaching with Mike Brown, as he just agreed there. So this this stuff doesn't make sense, and it's not a good look for the Hornets if they truly are in the bottom five of the league when it comes to wanting to pay these coaches. And they're wanting to keep these guys in place to pay him so low. If this report is true, Walker, and as we've said, Jake Fisher, solid reporter, has had great information, ties to Mark Stein, Bleacher Report, reputable people like Jake Fisher. So no no real reason to dispute what's being said in this report. If this report is true, Walker, it would only mean one thing to me, and that's that the Charlotte Hornets as an organization are not really serious about winning. Because if you're serious about winning, you're going to open up the checkbook 
when it really matters. And, and in, a, in a position when you can't open up the checkbook without any repercussions, right? I mean, you know, it, there's all kinds of salary cap implications that we talk about all the time when building a roster that you have to consider. Uh, only when you get that sort of homegrown bird rights kind of talent can you do what the Warriors did, which is open up almost an endless checkbook and go after a championship. Uh, but but often you are hamstrung by by cap implica- implications. But that's not the case with the coaching staff. <laughs> and if they're going around telling coaching candidates that they have to retain the assistant coaches, that's again that's unserious. I would, you know, when coaches come in to an organization, they expect to be respected enough to pick the guys that they want to pick to lead the organization into the future. It's a bad so look, this, man. This would be Absolutely. absurd if this were true. Yeah, that's that's a bad look to hire the coach and already try to have your fingerprints on how that product would look like, where they're not even allowed to hire the guys they want to to be under them. And go ahead, Doug. It's worse than a bad look. It's an unserious look. That's what I'm saying. A bad look is you went and and made a call because you really wanted to win and the call didn't work out. Uh, You know, that to me, that's a bad look. Uh, You know, you you, you went after a player that everybody thought, you know, kind of a Gordon Hayward situation. Everybody was like, oh, man, you know, this this guy's had injury issues in the past. I mean, if it works out, great. But if it doesn't, it's really going to hamstring you. And of course it did. That's a bad look. This is an unserious look. This this is a team that doesn't it doesn't you know if this were true this would be a team that doesn't feel very serious about pursuing playoff success it because would be, this has to be I, I'm so, extremely disappointed by that yeah because it would have to solely be tied to money why do you care what Kenny Atkinson wants to do with his assistant coaches do you think that this group that you have with the Hornets is the only good group that you want and if that's the case James Brago has to be given some credit for putting that group together. Was it time to just move on from Borrego because of whatever happened behind closed doors? Maybe like there could, there could have been some blown up relationships there. I don't know that. Like I, and, and that's, you know, I'm not saying that happened by any means. Like I, I'm just trying to figure out why you're so intent other than money to keep this group of coaches here. Again, Jay Hernandez is very well respected. So maybe you could keep one, but remember Mike D'Antoni, some of the reports on him was that he wanted to bring in Jim Boylan, which I I, I kind of want the Hornets to, to And have Kenny some Atkinson talent. wanted to bring Pablo Prigioni. Yeah, and so there were a couple of guys that they wanted to bring in, and I would imagine if they want to bring in their guys, they want them to be compensated well because you're, you know, these are these are the people that you trust. These are the people that you want in your camp when you're trying to figure out how to win basketball games, and if the Hornets don't want to pay them like that, that that's a problem. It's a real problem. Yeah, what disturbs me is that the win- the window is opening right now for the Charlotte Hornets. It's not open. It's not all the way open. They've got some stuff to figure out to put around LaMelo Ball, and LaMelo Ball has to take some steps, which I, I think all of us watching this podcast feel like LaMelo is going to take those steps to ascend to superstardom, but they have to be made. The steps are not a given. They have to be made. The window is not open, but but it's cracked open. It's starting to open, and and if you're going to quibble over pennies, at the expense of making dollars, which is, look, I mean, the Warriors spend a lot of money. The Mavs spend a lot of money. But they win championships, and they fill the building every single night. You know why they fill the building every single night? Because casual fans have a belief that when they walk in to the arena to watch the Mavericks, to watch the Golden State Warriors, they have an expectation that they are about to see a product that they 
can count on seeing in the postseason and that has championship ability. That's what brings casual fans in. Hardcore season ticket holders that are going to go to every game, they're going to go to every game regardless, okay? It's it's the casual uh, m- mom and dad who want to bring their kids to a game on a, on a Wednesday night, need something to do, and, and they want to go and expect that they're going to see a great product. Otherwise, they're just going to come and see the Lakers, to see LeBron, and to see some others. So that's how they do it. You can. That's how you make serious dollars and get people through the turnstiles. But you and don't do it by quibbling over pennies for assistant coaches. You don't do it by skipping steps. And it feels like they have all of that in mind, that they think we want the casual fan to come into the arena, but how much does paying these assistant coaches really matter to that? And the answer is all of it adds up. All of the smaller stuff adds up, allowing your coach to have that freedom so there is not any friction to then compensating these assistant coaches the normal amount, at least getting to average league salary, letting that happen, it brings a better morale because, of course, it's going to. Hell, compensation is going to do that. It's exactly what anybody would want in their line of work. And for you to deny that, how many other smaller things are going on, it at least opens that door for thinking, why are why is this happening? Why is that happening? And that's, yeah, like, I totally agree. Like, this there's is the battle, kind of thing there, that looks dysfunctional. It looks there's dysfunctional. A battle for the, there's a battle for the narrative right now over this, over this particular debacle, this thing that doesn't happen very often where a coach agrees, doesn't sign the contract, but agrees in principle to become the head coach of an organization, then all of, it, all of a sudden doesn't. And I never bought the family reasons I think it probably was a factor. It always is a factor. Your family is always a factor. Mm-hmm. But but I didn't buy it as the sole determining factor. It just felt like something something had to be amiss because this is such an unusual situation. And and if the Hornets allowed this particular issue to uh, disengage Kenny Atkinson and 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 allow this to happen then they deserve the bad PR that they're going to get from this. And it is bad PR. It's bad reputational karma because when they go to the next head coach, they've got to deal with that question. Well, you know, what's, what's the deal with the assistant coach situation? So it's just, it's just bad all around. It's not a bad look. It's not a bad look. I want to be clear. It's not a bad look. It's an serious look, which is way worse. Um, this is the thing that Kenny Atkinson had talked about that was in some of these. You just said you loved that. You sipped your coffee after that. It was a victory sip from your normal sized cup of coffee after that take. Unserious. Put that on Locked On Podcast Boom. Twitter. Yeah, Locked On. Doug Branson with the take and a coffee sip of the century. But what opened the door to allowing us to think maybe there was something that the Hornets did was in that in that original write-up, Kenny Atkinson you know, told Woj or whoever that there were conversations going on through that week that made Kenny Atkinson feel uneasy. So we didn't know exactly the details on those conversations, but it was mentioned that those conversations were had and those were not related to family issues. And so that opens the door to giving us what well, what is the reason behind those negotiations not going well? Oh, this is it? Man, bad look for the Hornets. That probably, again, unserious look, right? Like that's the thing that becomes the Hornets' fault. When we talk about how embarrassed you should or should not be, this is the type of thing that allows you to feel embarrassed. So last thing I'm going to say on this, I feel like Allen Iverson, okay? We're talking about assistant coaches, man. Assistant coaches. Are you a coaches. Boston Allen Iverson? Not a, not, a, not a general manager, not control over the basketball operations, not any of that stuff. We're talking about assistant coaches, man. This <laughs> AI, is ridiculous. AI is from Virginia. Why are you from Boston? <laughs> what? 
I wasn't doing an impression. I was just saying we're talking. I'm just that's my yeah. ad. that's my voice. Then you brought in a Boston accent there. You were Alan Iverson from Boston. You were Doug Branson from Boston. It was that was it. What but did I, I say? That was Boston. <laughs> that's what it sounded like. You ready to move on to the next segment? Sure. All right. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Harvard Yard. <laughs> I couldn't hear that. I don't know if the graphic came up there, but we are going to move on to the next segment. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You don't have to do that anymore. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto, and you don't have to choose to spend up to even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or new car dealership. The prices are always reliably low for every single customer go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you an amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com let's talk more about the miles bridges situation will kunkel from queen city news posted a video that took place a couple of months ago how relevant is it now we'll ask that question coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets for right then, I felt like I had some synergy with Mitch, and I felt like, you know what? I'm in these guys' heads. I understand. I talk. I listen. I did all the right things. And then, I, did you? Know, li- I what voices feeling- were you listening to? Were you listening to the voices deep within your head saying, "This is what I think Mitch is going to do," and then you just regurgitated that back onto Twitter? That's what I always do. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Will Kunkel from Queen City News putting out a video, a conversation he had with Miles Bridges on April 11th about the contract situation, about where he might end up because restricted free agency. It's been a hot topic surrounding that player for a long time now. And Miles Bridges in that video said that I love it here in Charlotte. If it meant maybe taking a little less money, then I would be down to do it. That's what Miles is saying. At the same time, you have to imagine Rich Paul is in the background, clutch sports saying, no, Miles, stop it. Stop saying you would take less money. That only gives them more power. Well, he said it, and that was a few months ago, which I don't know if that made the rounds nearly as much, but it's important here because of the Shams piece where we saw that, hey, there might be some hesitancy from the Hornets part to give Miles Bridges the max contract. Other teams, rival execs said that, so who knows how true it is. But we know that he's going to get a lot of money, 25, 30. You know, I, I mean, there's a universe I could see it getting more than $30 million a year. He's that kind of young of a player. He did break out once again. And Doug, when we talk about Miles, like I, I feel like some of the things that he needs to improve on can't get much worse at this point in his career from what we saw last year, if that makes sense. I believe fully in Miles' ability to finish at the rim. That's not going to go away, and that's a really good not skill. Not for a long time. Eventually yeah. it will go away, yeah, but right. not for a but, long time. But nothing to deter you from giving him a contract. Not in the next contract, right? It would be the next, that, that would be the consideration because that that kind of leaping ability, that tends to go away, mm-hmm. and then you have to start to, Strong. you know, can this yeah. person turn into like a Paul Millsap where you're just like expecting this person to, you know, drop threes and play a little defense, right? But, but that but, would be the next contract. Those are the two things, right? So yeah. do you think his three-point percentage is going to get worse than 33 34 i don't 
I, I hope it doesn't get any worse than that because that's that's awful. That's atrocious. And do you think the defense gets worse from what we saw last year where there are just those mental lapses in team defense? He's not rotating, and there are just times where he isn't paying attention on that end. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. And so that kind of lends you more towards giving Miles the money. And if Miles really wants to be here, I, you know, Clutch does a good job for their clients and getting them the money. I, I just – I wonder – what is the the middle ground there between Miles Clutch and even the Charlotte Hornets? They do a good job of getting their clients the money, but the question is, can they create a market out of you know out of thin air? Can they create a max market where there where there isn't a max market? And I don't I don't think they have that power. Either teams like Portland, Detroit, et cetera, are going to value that player so much that they're willing to go max immediately, or they're not. I tend to think that they are not. I don't think the market on Miles Bridges is going to reach max level. I don't even think the Hornets are going to have to make that make that choice. Now, what I'm now scared of, based on these reports about assistant coaches, is will they quibble over a couple of million dollars? That kind of is what happened with Kimba Walker. I mean, you know, out the door, it was it seemed to be a yeah. little bit of you know a couple of million dollars here, a couple of million dollars there, and it was all right. Well, we can't reach an agreement, even though Kimba also, like Miles, was expressing publicly the desire to to remain in Charlotte. Now, going back to the Kunkel report, uh, th- this is bringing something back that was said after you know right as the season was wrapping up, and y- you know I I take all of what players say at that moment with a grain of salt. Because they're coming off this season, they want to run it back. They're probably, especially Miles, was super frustrated about how it all ended. He has a great relationship with a lot of players on the on the team, and so of course, yeah, I expect Miles to say, "I'll do whatever it takes to come back." Yeah, but then you go behind the scenes, just like Kenny Atkinson. The finals are over, and you get a chance to rethink some things. And I think he gets with his team, and and it would be not out of the realm of possibility that he rethinks some things and say, "Well, you know, staying in Charlotte will be fine." But also, you know, Portland's not bad or Detroit's not bad and I should keep my options open. So I don't put a ton of stock into something that was said on April 11th. If he said it yesterday, yeah. okay, well, that's a different story. But he said it on April 11th. That's a long time ago. Trying to find precedent or evidence as to how the Hornets have operated anywhere in this type of neighborhood where you're figuring out how much you should pay a player. You know, the Kimba Walker stuff is not apples to apples. And Kimba right. is... No, no doubt. Yeah, and, and no, and I'm not saying you said that. I think a lot of people draw upon that experience where Kimba Walker, yes, there's some value in saying he's the best player in Charlotte Hornets history. And maybe you deserve, maybe you thought he deserved to be paid as such and, and been given a solid. But the reality is they offered him as much money as any other team in the NBA was going to. The real problem came within the Hornets' ability to give him more because he yep. made All-NBA to stick right. with that team. They didn't exercise that max amount. Kemba right. felt slighted. In the end, I should probably just go to this winning organization, and that's what took place with Kemba Walker. The, the other reality is Oklahoma City is, pl- uh, is paying him dead money. So that contract, Boston got rid of after a couple of years, goes to OKC, OKC in a different situation where they're paying Kimba Walker dead money. He goes to New York, and now we know that some of that, you know, that fizzled out as well. Point being, like, this Miles contract thing, I think, is going to be the biggest piece of evidence as to how serious the Hornets actually are and how much they want to pay somebody that is a young player, a part of their foundation. They paid Terry Rozier. 
They paid Gordon Hayward, but those guys weren't drafted. Like this is finally your homegrown first contract that you're going to be handing out after a rookie deal that indicates just how serious you are about paying guys that have been there and done that within your own backyard. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I I think, yes, there is a level of this that says you should offer players what you feel like is, I think, especially homegrown players, you should offer them the top level of what you think the market would bear. You know, and so, so if a team comes in at, whatever, 25, 26, 27, okay, if that, you know, if they're coming in, then I think the Hornets should match it. But if we're talking about a max contract, I'm just not certain that a player has never made an all-star game and even really flirted with it. Um, I, I don't know that Are that's Are you saying a you have hesitancy? Is that what I have hesitancy. I personally have hesitancy. Oh, yeah. I, I, but, I, but I would let that process happen. You know, I, I, what, I would, what I would really be – what I really feel weird about is if the Hornets, you know, came over the top and didn't even let that process play out and, and, and tried to secure it, but before it ever happened. And it seems like clutch, I think I, I feel like is trying to create a market here where there isn't one. I'm I'm not certain that a Portland or a Detroit is really w- ready and prepared to pay miles bridges, the maximum amount. You talk about the Hornets winning next year though, Doug, if they do not pay Miles Bridges, I don't, I don't know what that number looks like. What is that hard line for you, for Mitch Kupchak, for the Charlotte Hornets? Right. Not my money. That, that <laughs> I've heard you say that. Like, there's <laughs> no, there's a, those are the questions that you have. What is, what does that line look like? Where I get frustrated, this is, this has always been my contention with the, the with the moves that they've made prior. Is you, you've had to set yourself up for this type of scenario. And if they feel like paying Miles Bridges $30 million a year is too much, I'm going to be mad at not overpaying Miles and instead overpaying for Terry and overpaying for Gordon Hayward to put yourself in this situation. Because the bottom line is, if you don't pay them, then you have this money to spend on a guy that is a borderline all-star that we don't think has reached their ceiling, and that could give you a better foundation. If you let Miles Bridges go, how do they get better next season? Because I don't know the answer to that. It it would be difficult. You would be betting at that point on Gordon Hayward having uh, a healthy, full rebound season. But it's there's a also it. What's that? It's a bad bet. If that, yeah, you're you're saying you're betting on him a having a healthy rebound. A, ba- yeah. a bad look. Would it be a bad look? <laughs> it would be unserious about winning for now and the future. That's what it would I, be. No, I I I think you're dead on. Now this is sort of a tease to the next episode. There could be a yes and situation here. Where where they throw a little bit more of the bag at Miles Bridges, uh, on the idea that they could move off potentially Terry Rozier and Gordon's Hayward Gordon Hayward's contract and build around a Lamelo Miles insert player X into that conversation. And there are some interesting talks around that that we can do tomorrow. Yep, we have a, we have a lot to get to here. I mean, the Too NBA trap. The NBA draft is taking place in a couple of days. And it's so we... much that it's causing me to have a Boston accent randomly when I give my takes. <laughs> my takes are coming. I don't know why. My takes are coming out in this Nor'eastern accent all of a sudden. Have you been uh, listening to Bill Simmons too much? It's an unserious look. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. Now, I'll make your second listen. Locked On NBA Big Board, host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter. He's joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leap Tulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, Mock Draft, player rankings, and, of course, big boards. It's free and available. 
wherever you get your podcast. Lots to get to over the next couple of days before we hit the NBA draft. We will be giving you an NBA draft special. So that'll be happening, I believe, that night also. And then that will be airing that Friday, too. You know, could be argued it's the most important show of the year. Everybody loves hearing about the prospects. When you have two first rounders in the top 15, it's important stuff. We'll have you covered all on all of that and everything else going on in Hornets world right here on the Lock on Hornets podcast.